0: When are you going to do this? When are you going to finally obey? Because you know you will finally obey. So how long do you want to stretch this out? So that was the earliest account of Abraham's instantaneous obedience. And there were a lot of unknowns there. But he left anyway. And I can't imagine what that entails to pack up flocks and herds and all of your family and Lot, your nephew, and all of his family and his stuff. It's not, I don't think it's an overnight endeavor. He had to be very intentional and very purposeful about making sure everybody was ready so that they could get out and get on the road and go to the place that he had no idea where it was and how long it was going to take him to get there. But he heard the voice of God, and he obeyed. So now we're going to jump back to Genesis 22. We looked at verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him. Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Could you imagine the dread in his heart as he saw the destination and the place where The Lord had commanded him to sacrifice his son. Abraham said to his young man, I'm in verse 5, Stay here with the donkey. The young man and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, Abba my father. And Abraham's response to him was, Hineni, my son. I'm here. I'm here. I'll take care of everything because I'm committed. I'm committed in saying that God himself will provide a lamb for the offering because there is so much in that. But the point of this message is not about all of that. Maybe we'll get to it next week. It's it's whatever God desires. But the importance is the obedience of Abraham. So when we think about our faith, our God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of Adam. He is not the God of Noah. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we go back to our forefathers, and we learn from their examples the good, the bad, and the ugly, because it gives us faith, courage, grace, and power to do what they have done, no matter how difficult. Verse 9, Then they came to the place of which God had told him, And Abraham built an altar there, placed the wooden altar in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Hineni. I am still listening, Lord. I am still listening. And the Lord said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. So I am going to stop there because what we read is the Lord speaking, saying, I know now that you fear God, that you fear me. And as I pondered those words... I thought of Abraham twice saying, Hineni. Here I am, Lord. I am committed to the covenant that you made with me. You, in your covenant, said that I would have a son. In your covenant, you said that I would be the father of many nations. And I know that if I were to sacrifice my son in some way, shape, or form, You would either bring my son back from the dead. Or this covenant can't be. And so when I think of Abraham's willingness, his hinani, and he's taking the knife as if he is going to slay his son, until he hears the voice of the Lord. In my mind, hineni plus obedience equals the fear of the Lord. That being fully engaged with the Lord 24-7, and obeying his word instantaneously, Without any questions. Notice he didn't ask the Lord any questions. He didn't say, are you going to give my son back to me? How is this going to work? How is the covenant going to work? He just said, hineni. And then he obeyed the command that the Lord gave him. I'm going to quote Tony Evans because I love this statement. The fear of God within a person manifests itself in one incontrovertible evidence obedience. He also went on to say, We cannot obey selectively or conveniently. That's me. I decide which of the commands the Lord speaks to me personally, whether I'm going to sit on it for a while or whether I'm going to obey it immediately. I would be lying before you if I said I obey instantaneously. I have to think about it. But let me tell you this, God has never asked me to sacrifice any of my children or any of my grandchildren. And yet I stall. Or I'm selective about what I will obey. I'll do this instead, Lord, if that's okay with you. Because it's inconvenient. Tony Evans also said this about obeying selectively or conveniently. He said one of the delays in seeing blessing and the goodness of God is 99% obedience. 99% is pretty good, isn't it? I would think I'm doing very well If I were 99% obedient, come on. You don't think you'd be doing pretty well if you were 99% obedient? Come on. I think it's pretty good. You'd be happy with a 99% grade in school, wouldn't you? It's not 100%, but 99%, I'll take that. Why shouldn't God take that? Because God's ways are better than our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. And He is so gracious to give us an example of 99% obedience in His word. And it's the account of King Saul. In 1 Samuel 15, where the Lord tells Saul to kill the Amalekites. And he does, but only 99%. He saves the king. And the king and his offspring later on cause a whole lot of problems for the Jewish people. That's a story for another time. And when he says to the priest Samuel who comes, who God sends to him to let him know that he hasn't done everything 100%, he said, oh, oh, but, but I have. And Samuel says, What's that sound I hear? The bleeding of the sheep. There shouldn't be any sheep left. And so you know what? You know what Saul said? This is the offering to the Lord. This is the offering to the Lord. You know what Tony Evans called that? I love this. A religious covering for disobedience. We can come up with a whole lot of religious coverings for our disobedience, can't we? We're very creative people. I know we're laughing, but it's the truth. So, again, obedience is proof of your fear of the Lord. Abraham's obedience to God is attached to his love for God and his trust in God. I remember a long, long time ago, it's in one of my old Bibles, and I was reading the story of Abraham, and I heard God, you know, that still small voice. I didn't hear his voice, I just heard that still small voice. And I remember that the words that he spoke were, faith begets obedience. And I wrote that on a little sticky paper. I stuck it in Genesis. And every time I go back to that Bible, that's still there. Faith begets obedience. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So unless we're in the word of God, our faith doesn't grow, but guess what else doesn't grow? Our obedience doesn't grow. So without that manna from heaven every day, that word every day, feeding our spirit, We'll always procrastinate. We'll always wait on obedience. We'll selectively obey. Unless we have that steady diet of the word of God. John Bevere wrote this. The truth is that obedience is the outward evidence of the fear of the Lord. When we fear God, we will obey him instantly and to completion. It's not just getting stuff half done. It is completing the word or the directive or the command that God has given us or what we discover in his word, what he reveals to us in his word. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, now you're responsible for it. When you meditate on the word of the Lord, he shows you his truths, he reveals his truths to you, you are required now to obey it. You're now responsible. Because now it's not just reading it, it's taking it into your heart. No excuses. So I had a lot of time to think about this. A lot of time to think about the times that I was 99% obedient. I didn't immediately respond to God's command, whether it was in his word or whether he gave me one of those words in my own spirit to obey. Something that might not be in scripture, but something he wanted me personally to do. I can think of the times that I procrastinated or refused or did it 99%. But when you come face to face with the fear of the Lord and when you know that you could be holding up blessing not just for yourself but for those you love, it becomes a whole different story. And the question that kept going around in my mind was this. What if our obedience to God would mean the healing of a loved one? What if our obedience to God would mean the deliverance of a loved one who's oppressed by the enemy? What if our obedience to the Lord would call back the prodigals? What if our obedience to the Lord meant the salvation of a loved one, someone we've been praying for for years? What if our procrastination in our obedience, or our 99% obedience, held off any of those blessings? we look to Abraham and his immediate obedience to the command of the Lord. He might have been extremely tired the next day after hearing this word from the Lord, but he got up early in the morning. Whether he slept or not, we'll never know. But he saddled his donkey chopped the wood, put everything together for his journey, and went a three-day journey to go what he knew to be a place where he was going to sacrifice his son. 100% obedience to the point of raising his hand with the knife in it, ready to take his son's life until he heard the voice of the Lord saying, now I know that you fear me. I want to hear God say to me, Now I know that you fear me. Because you have instantly obeyed my word. And you withheld nothing from me. And I have to be honest, well, as I have been, God's never asked anything even remotely like what he asked Abraham. And I have no good excuses to share with you. But this is such a convicting event. And Abraham, he didn't have the benefit of going back to scripture and saying, let's see, let me look this up. Is there, is there somebody that came before me that, you know, I, I can find out, what did he do? No, he's it. He is it. And we have the benefit of leafing through our Bible and going back and reading the accounts of the people who obeyed God as well as the people who disobeyed God. So, as it says in Romans... So we are what? Without excuse. And that's, that's still worse because we know better. If somebody like Abraham had nothing to go back to, nothing to stand on, yes, I know he had the, the voice of God, he had the covenant of God with God, would that make you feel better if you had to sacrifice your son? Would that make you feel better? Would that make you feel better? I don't know that it would make me feel better. I understand it's about trust. I understand that trust and faith beget obedience. I understand that about Abraham. But when I put my feet in his sandals, it's a hard thing. However, when I compare it with the few things that God has asked me, it is nothing. I am without excuse. We have the benefit of the scripture, we have the benefit of the spirit of the living God in us to give us the grace and the courage to walk out our obedience. We walk out our faith every day. And we either choose to do it or not. But we have all of these witnesses that have gone before us. And you know in the scriptures where it says we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, I always think of them in terms of cheering us on. They're not there going, oh, what is the matter with you? They are saying, yes, you can do this. Because you have the testimony of our testimony. I have to hesitate when I get to that place where somebody, we think it was Isaiah, was sawed into. I think, well, Lord, I guess you'll to keep my eyes on you. But when you think of the faith chapter and you think of all that our forefathers endured, we are truly without excuse. So Lord, we we pray this morning that we would have no excuses when you ask us to be obedient to you. What you ask us is nothing compared to what you asked Abraham. He didn't know the rest of the story the way we do. And we can only imagine what he went through. And even in imagining what he must have gone through, we cannot imagine what you went through when your son was nailed to that tree When he was nailed to that cross because of my sins, because of our sins, because of the sins of humanity throughout all the generations upon this earth. But you gave us a clear picture of what was to come with Abraham and Isaac. Abraham did not have to go through with the sacrifice of his son, but you did. You did so that we all might have eternal life. So that we would not be eternally separated from you. You bridged the gap through your son. And just as you said to Abraham, your only son, whom you love, that is the way you presented it in the scriptures. Your only begotten son, died in our place, that we might have eternal life. And who are we to say no when you ask us the simplest of things to be obedient to? Who are we? When I think of that, Lord, it's as if we count that sacrifice as nothing. So this morning, Lord, we come before you and together we ask for your forgiveness for all of the times that we have been disobedient in the big things and in the small things. And I pray like Abraham, we would be those who obey you instantly. Because that obedience was the proof that he feared you. And our fear of you will not be complete until we are completely obedient with no strings attached. And we know, Lord, that your spirit is able to give us that grace, courage, and power to fulfill any command that you give us. All we have to do is ask. We bless you, Lord, for our father Abraham. We bless you for the faith of Isaac as he was obedient to his father in getting up on that wood not knowing what would happen. So, Father, we have a great heritage, and it's all in your word. We bless you for that, Lord. And we bless you, Father, that fearing you is being obedient to your word. And I pray that in our hearts we would all say hinani. We love you, Lord. We are here. We are here because we love you. We are here because you are our God, and we worship you in spirit, in truth, and in our obedience. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.